What is the difference between Jamie Smart before Clarity and Jamie Smart after Clarity? I've just got less on my mind now. Uh, I think that's one of the one of the big differences. But you know, it's funny in a while when people ask me what's the biggest difference it's made to me uh, learning about the stuff that I share in Clarity. I just have a lot more. Well, a couple of things. I have a lot more love and connection in my life. It's really uh, improved the quality of my relationships and uh, the, you know, I, I, I have experience in relationships that's beyond anything I ever thought was possible. And that includes my relationships with, you know, clients and family and uh, my romantic partner. It's It's been a game changer in that domain. But also it, it's... It, it, it gave me something that, uh, that that I think happens to a lot of people who come across what I what I uh, try to put across in the book, which is a lot of people who come across the information that uh, that's covered in the book. The first thing that hits them is a kind of oh, why doesn't everyone know this? Why wasn't I told this? Why, why oh, they should teach this in schools. Why, why didn't I know this? That's the first thing. The second thing that almost everyone who comes across this does is they're like, I want to tell other people about it. Just like you're wanting to do, Noah. You're wanting other exactly. people to know about it. Because it's like you discover something that's kind of been hiding in plain sight that can make a massive difference in your life. And the only problem anyone has is they don't realize it's there. It's like everyone's already got it. It's like having a an unsuspected uh, inner power that you didn't realize you had. It's very, very cool. It's so true. How did you discover your natural state of clarity and, and how were you able to, to ground yourself to consistently be in this constant state of clarity? Well, well let, me, let me answer the second thing first. I'm not in it consistently in terms of a state. I go in and out of it, but I'm not that bothered by that because we're, as, as, as human beings, we're we're built to see it's funny you know the the guy who first uh uncovered this understanding is a guy called sydney banks and he he said at one point he said if the one thing people learned was not to be afraid of their experience that alone would change the world and the fact is wow. that we're, we're 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 built to be able to experience all kinds of different states of mind all kinds of different moods, all kinds of different perspectives and that sort of thing. It turns out to be really, really valuable to know what's going on there, like how that works. Um, and, and so I, the funny thing is I pay, I pay, I'll give you an example. I was uh, giving a talk at the NATO Defense College in Rome last week uh, on this stuff, on this stuff. And I got on stage to do my talk. So I'd been in the room with them all day. And then it was my turn. I get up on stage and I got hit with uh, nerves, like, you know, fight or flight, adrenaline. Yeah. And now I'm a very comfortable public speaker. I've talked to hundreds or thousands of audiences. I, 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 I know what I'm doing. I got hit by nerves. So my hands were shaking a little bit. My voice was a bit trembly. I was like, oh, I've I've got adrenaline running through my system, but I, but it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like it was a little inconvenient because it made it hard to drink my drink, 
<laughs> but aside from that, it's like, oh well, it's all risk for the mill. It, it, like it, so it's nothing to. So I'm, I'm, I'm. If anything, Noel, I'm having more of the full range of the human experience than I used to because I'm not bothered. I'm like, whatever, you know, bring it on. I because there's no feeling that can harm you. There's no experience that can damage you psychologically. And the more you realize that, then the more freedom you have just to engage with life such as it is, rather than having to having to work on yourself. I love that you said that you get to experience the human experience as it is, without the judgment of under without the judgment of everyone telling you, oh, this could be anxiety, this could be um fear this could be well whatever it is i'm feeling it let me just see how i'm going to experience it well it's so cool like if i if i'd have come off the stage last week and i'd gone to it let's say let's say for whatever reason i got all worried about it and i've gone to a therapist they were like oh well let's look into it that's what we don't need to do that it's like i had i had fight or flight it's a very natural uh mammalian response to I don't know what was going on, but that's <laughs> but that's what was going on. Nothing to be afraid of. It's fine. I can I can handle adrenaline. I've had adrenaline before. It's not going to do me any harm. It's okay. And and then I ended up integrating it into the talk and talking about what had happened. So it it doesn't matter. It's like and, and I know for someone who's listening, maybe I know some people have often often I'll work with people who have been stuck in addiction or depression or. Uh, um, clinical diagnoses for years, and I'm not I'm not trying to trivialize it in any sense. I'm saying that there's a, an understanding that's available to everyone that can profoundly transform how you relate to the stuff that may have been a struggle until. Uh, I wrote the first book like nine or ten years ago, which is Clarity, okay. and then when it came time to release the next edition. I thought, wouldn't it be great to just boil it down to its simplest, uh, most the, the most crucial fundamental things? And that's where the little book of clarity came out. So I've just been, I've literally just signed the contract to write the second edition of the big book of clarity. So that's going to be coming I out. I can't next wait. Year. So I'm going to be I really can't updating wait. it. Yeah. Um, so what are the life circumstances? that Jamie Smart went to, went through to reach mastering uh, clarity. So I read in your book a lot of the things that you've been through, and these are the things that also um, got me more attached to the book. If I must say, maybe attached is not the greatest word, but it made me humanize Jamie Smart and understand that, you know what? He's been through this. If he can do it, then you can do it too. Yeah. Just like you said, prioritize it. So I'd so, love to hear your journey. Yeah, well, and 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 a lot of the journey that had me, that brought me to this understanding was all the stuff I went through before I even knew this understanding existed. Because when I came to this understanding, it was psychology's best kept secret. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I was drinking from when I was 12 years old. I got a scholarship to university, then got asked not to return after the first year. Uh, struggled with alcohol and drugs. Uh, got got married, got divorced. Uh, had uh, all kinds of weight problems and food problems, all kinds of stuff. 
there's a, a, a book which was very impactful for me called The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. And I read this book in like 2007 when it came out. And the premise of the book is get your life, your business, you know, your work life running on autopilot so you can go and have adventures around the world. And I was like, because I wasn't happy at the time. And, and the challenge I had was, you know, I had lots of the things, I, I'd achieved lots of the things that I'd set out to achieve in life and, and I still wasn't feeling it. And so I thought, that's it. What I need is adventures. I need more adventures. Yeah. And so I got the business running on autopilot. I had, had a business uh, that I'd had for about uh, eight or nine years at that point. And I went off for a, a three-month ski holiday uh, in Whistler in Canada. And I was what I expected was to be absolutely like blissful and uh, so enlightened that I'd have sun shining out of all my orifices. And so like, cause, cause I, I was, uh, cause according to the rules of my industry, which was the kind of personal development and success industry, I would have made it right. Like I'm, mm. my business is at home making money. I'm on a ski holiday. It's all great. But after about six weeks, I was miserable. I was feeling off purpose. I, I canceled my trip and came home and it's like, that wasn't it either. There's something missing. And so I had to go back to the drawing board. And when I started working with a coach, what I realized was that all my, all my objectives were, have the structure of kind of, I'll be happy when I've achieved this, or once I've got that, or once I, and it was all, it was based around the premise that happiness and fulfillment and well-being and peace of mind and all these things are external and distant and what i realized is like oh no it's it's now it's now and it, it, it doesn't come from out there in goals like there's nothing wrong with having goals and things you want to create and do and i do that like i i, I told you i'm writing the second edition of my book clarity well i'm gonna to have to get that delivered to the publisher by the 30th of november so like i've got a job to do and, and i'm sure when i've done that i'll feel some kind of sense of accomplishment right but all of right. that sense of accomplishment is going to come from within. It comes from inside. It doesn't come from the the goal or the, the person or the objective or any of that stuff. It comes from inside you. And that's, the, that's true for all the stuff we experience in terms of our, our emotional state. We're living in an inside out world. If you, uh, if, if you look at a little child with a teddy bear or a, you know, a transitional object, the child, you know, believes that their feelings of, you know, when they get their teddy bear, when they go to bed at night, they believe that their feelings of peace and security and well-being are coming from the teddy bear. The teddy bear is full of stuff, eh? but all of that's coming from within the child, but they're attributing it to the teddy bear. And we understand that as adults. We understand that 100% of it's coming from the child and 0% is coming from the teddy bear. But then we behave very differently when it comes to adult teddy bears like jobs or partners or uh, money or future events or past occurrences or other people or all that sort of stuff. But the fact of the matter, it's coming from inside. It's an inside out cause. How do you deal with money, the concept well, of money? The concept of money? Well, I, I find it, money is pretty much 
unbeatable when it comes to buying things. It's perfect for it. Money is excellent for buying stuff. It's fungible, like you can you can get out a bunch of it. You, there's euros, I can spend them <laughs> pounds, I can spend them in England, I've got credit cards, I can buy some. It's excellent for buying stuff. So that's how I relate to the concept of money is it's really useful for buying stuff. Mm. Is there, is there is there something more you were wanting from that? I'm trying to understand if money brings you any sort of uh, contradict contradiction to your journey. I I don't think so. But what kind of contradiction were you thinking of? Um, I feel the power money holds in our system or society kind of direct a lot of our communities into putting intentions towards gaining money when in reality in my opinion money is the added value to your human experience but oh, life okay. makes it life makes it so, seem like it is our priority well here's the thing that, that occurs to me Noel money First of all, money is a tool, right? Like it's a, you can think of money as a way of storing human energy. It's a store oh, of energy. Like if you if you um, if you go to a job and work for a bunch of hours and contribute value to that employer, then they'll give you some money, and that money is a an exchange for the energy that you've put in, and it's a very simple way of exchanging and moving that energy around so it's called non-fungible it's called it's fungible you can exchange one if i give you a 20 pound note that's the same as any other 20 pound note so it's a very practical way of exchanging energy for everyone listening like every beautiful experience you've ever every feeling you've ever had whether it's a love and peace and connection or whether it's joy or or bliss it all came from within you uh, and all the beautiful feelings you're ever going to experience, they're all going to come from within you. And same goes for all the anxiety and worry and stress and, and fear and all that. So that came from within too. It's, it only works one way. It works from the inside out. And we live in a world where it really seems like it's coming from out there, like it's coming from the other people or circumstances or whatever, but there's just no basis for that. Do you think or believe that anxiety can be cured if you are uh, someone who is diagnosed with anxiety? Is it something oh, yeah. curable or is it something you live with or manage? Well, well it, it, it only needs curing if you think it's a problem. When we're in the kind of perceptual reality that has, for instance, anxiety or depression or any of that stuff, that's a signal to kind of turn back, go in the other direction. Not in the other direction out in the world, out in to to go in the other direction in terms of where your perceptions are. Um, so yeah, it, it can be cured, if cured is even the right word, because to me, all of these things, whether it's anxiety or any of these things, they look like the system working perfectly, but we haven't been given a user's manual for it. How do you stop getting stuck in that thought that you talked about? Well, here's the interesting thing. The thing that has someone get stuck in it is believing that 
the feeling is letting them know about what their life as a person and what their future is like, and what their past is like, and what their prospects are like. And that's not what it's letting you know about. It's letting you know about what's running through your thought system right now. See, the fact of the matter is, Noah, there's nothing in this world that can harm who you really are, right? Like there's things that can harm your physical body. Like you should definitely, you know, wear a seatbelt and don't run with scissors and be careful when petting strange dogs. But, but there's nothing in this world that can harm you psychologically or emotionally, okay? There's nothing to be afraid of in that domain. And the more you wake up to the truth of who you really are, the more freedom you have psychologically and the less any of this is anything you know, to be afraid of or concerned about. Ah. So that's kind of the shift. So the, the how, how do you not get stuck? It rather, it's interesting. There's kind of a, a different question I ask. And I talk about what I do as subtractive psychology, right? So, so instead of looking at how do you get unstuck, I look at what is it that's been getting someone stuck in the first place? And inevitably, Noel, the thing that gets someone stuck is that they're, the belief that their feelings are giving them information about something other than the moment, other than what's going on for them psychologically. As soon as we believe our felt experience is letting us know about the future or the past or what I'm like as a person or my prospects or what's going to happen next week or my bank balance or any of that stuff, we start getting a bit crazy. So we should position the felt experience as, a, as an emotion that is just being felt now and not yeah, allow always. it to... Well, it always is. Like now is the only time you can feel anything, right? Like you tried feeling something yesterday and it, it, it's, you, you, you won't have much luck with it. You, the only time you can ever experience anything is right now. Why do you think the human brain loops into these kind of thoughts that are um, draining, dra energy draining thoughts? Why? Why does well, the brain just hold on to us? Well, it looks real to us. So as human beings, it's super, super valuable. Like we need to be able to take a guess about the nature of reality and run with it, right? So the, the I'll give you an example, Noel. I was coaching a guy and he had crippling anxiety, like a ball of, of fear in his stomach that would never leave him. And he's like in it all the time and it had messed with his relationships and his work and all kinds of stuff. And, and so I, I go to work with him and uh, he says, I said, so what's going on? He goes, I just can't stop overthinking. I'm constantly overthinking. He said, and I, I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't be thinking so much, but I can't stop. I said, oh, you, you should be thinking that much. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, you wouldn't be doing it if it didn't make sense. He's like, I'm confused. I said, good. I said, uh, have you ever had that thing where you uh where you're walking around your your home or your apartment uh at night and you catch sight of something in the dark and you think it's an intruder but then it turns out to be like a, a lamp or a pile of clothes mm. he yeah. said yeah 
He said, it happened to me yesterday, funnily enough. I was working at my desk and I thought there was an intruder, but it was just an ironing board leaning against the thing. Yeah. I said, right, okay. I said, so what happened when you believed there was an intruder? He goes, oh man, heart beating, freaking out, head racing, whole nine yards. I'm like, right. He said, what happened once you realized it was an ironing board? He goes, oh, relief, relief. I said, now, how did you do that? How did you go from freaking out to relief? He said, I didn't do it. It just happened. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it happened as soon as I realized that it was an ironing board. Now, while it looked like an intruder, it made sense for him to go into fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what you do when there's an intruder to fight, fight off. And he stayed in fight or flight until he realized that there was an intruder there. So our, we have this innate capacity for insight and realization, and its job is to align our perceptions more closely with reality. That's what it's for. So while we believe things work a certain way, if we believe that our feelings are coming from the future, and you know, like, like let's say, a lot of times I work with people on like fear of public speaking. If someone believes that their fears are coming, their feeling of fear is coming from a TED talk that they're due to give next week, well, that's not possible. It can only be coming from the moment. There's no way for feelings to travel back through time from a TED talk in the future to the present. That's not real. That's that's there's no scientific basis for that they're creating it real time but it genuinely seems to them like the future has got something to do with it like it's coming from that, that thing well while that while that looks real to them they're going to be freaking out so my focus with them always with clients is to help them have a realization into the truth of the matter because the moment you genuinely realize the truth of the matter <gasps> relief Relief, like my assertion, and it's hardcore, Noel. My assertion is that the vast majority of anxiety and depression and mental health problems are being caused by a simple misunderstanding about the nature of reality. We're not and really understanding. Sorry, go on. No, please. Sorry, I cut your train of thought. But I was going to say, we're not. We we seem to be creating our reality rather than living our reality. Well, I wouldn't say that. I, I don't have any evidence that I created this iPhone. I'm pretty sure it was created by the Apple Corporation. <laughs> um, but what I can get on board with is that we're creating our experience of reality. Yeah. Generating from it from within based on data that we receive from via our sense receptors and and that seems to be happening so i can definitely get on board with that do you do you till this day have fears and triggers uh, of going back into addiction or um going back into the loop of being anxiously stuck in a place where you don't want to be or are these um i'm not afraid of any of that stuff um but I still get caught out like with stuff. I still get stuck or don't know what to do or that sort of thing. Like I'm still having a human experience um, for, for better or for worse. Like, because, you know, here's, here's the way I like to think about it. If, if you want to enjoy a movie, then you need two things to be able to enjoy a movie. You need to be able to 
Like if you think about it, a movie, going to the movies, it, a director is paid a lot of money to create an illusionary world and have you experience it as real. So you step into the director's illusionary world when, when you go to a movie. And, and, and to enjoy a movie, the first thing you need is you need to be able to get kind of swept away by the illusionary world in the movie, the, the movie's illusionary reality. So that's the first thing you need to be able to enjoy a movie. But the second thing you need to be able to enjoy a movie is you need to be able to wake up from that illusionary reality. Otherwise, if you saw a movie about a, that had a fire in it, you'd call the fire department, right? But you need to be able to wake So it's both. It's an oscillation between getting swept away by the, the movie's reality and waking up to the fact that it's just a movie. Well, it's, no, well, it's the same thing you need to in, to have a rich experience of life. You need to be able to get swept away by the experience of life. You need to be able to wake up to the illusionary nature of the experience. Did you ever fear? Did you ever fear that the release of one of your books would be a failure? I never feared it, but I, funnily enough, I, it, it's, it's funny. So my, my first three books were number one bestsellers. Yay. And then my fourth book, The Little Book of Results, which I was really proud of, but I didn't put as much effort into promoting it. And then it didn't do as well. And it, it got some oh. bestsellers, but didn't get number one and that sort of thing. And so for about uh, 30 seconds, I felt like a failure. And I was like, I felt down about it. And then I was like, oh, well. And then I thought, well, hang on a second. That's useful for people to know. So I actually wrote an article about it. And I kind of just stayed with that 30 seconds because I know it's a big deal for a lot of people. And I'm just like, I just I just do my best. And then when, when we get to the end of a project, either I'm like, yay, that was amazing. Or like, oh, boo, it didn't get what we wanted or whatever. But it's just, it's just not that big a deal. Sometimes things, sometimes things are a big deal. Like sometimes, if I make a mistake on something, I I, I made a I made a, a mistake with something, maybe four or five months ago, and it's still kind of every time I think of it, it's like, oh man, I don't want to make that mistake again. Like it it cost me, and I'm like, yeah, I paid a price for that. I got to learn from that. Well, still, that's okay though. I'm not. That's that's fine. That's normal. That's so useful. Yeah, that is useful, and 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 basically, your 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 fear, your failures are not your triggers, which is something great to achieve because not many of us have achieved this kind of mental state of mind where your failures are not triggers or affecting your next steps. They're just learning curves. Well, they're learning curves, and to that degree, they are affecting my next step. Like I'm learning from them, hopefully, um, and I could be, I could be a lot better at it, right? Like I could be a Dolly, no, I could be a faster learner. I could be a better learner. I could be, I could be, you know, for all of us, it, it, we, it, we can't, we can't uh, outthink our current thinking. The thing that'll take me beyond my current thinking is the insights and realizations that I haven't had yet. So for better or for worse, I'm uh, the the beneficiary of and the prisoner of my current level of understanding. And when I realize new stuff, then new possibilities will be available to me and all that sort of stuff. But for now, I've got the one that I've got. And so I'm just, you know, enjoying it as best I can. And, uh, 
uh, doing the best I can at my current level of understanding. And then when when things jump up a gear, then I'll be like, oh, wow, I can't believe how dumb I was when I didn't see it like this. And I, I'm enjoying the new opportunities. But then that'll bring new challenges with it as well. So, you know, it's... Uh, it, the thing that looks clear to me is the whole thing is to be enjoyed. It really is. Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about love? Well, I can tell you that uh, love is your nature. Like that, that, uh, that, as you uh, see through the illusion of separation, you discover the, the, the feeling of love and connection that's, well, let, let me put it a different way. I, if I talk in terms of love and connection, there's the experience of love and connection, which is a feeling. And we go in and out of it, and like all feelings, they come and go. And then, um, by the way, Naval, this is my assertion. I'm not saying people take my word for it. Check it of out. First. See if this isn't the case. So, so the feeling of love and connection, it comes and goes, right? Like, you know, I can, one minute I can be, you know, having the experience of being passionately in love with my girlfriend. And then later I'm, you know, watching a movie or something and I'm, and I'm not having the experience. I'm having the experience of watching a movie, right? Like I'm doing something mm -hmm. else, but then there's the fact. So the, the feeling of love and connection, the experience of love and connection, it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. It, it's a variable, right? But the fact of love and connection is a constant the fact of the matter is that we're all connected uh, to each other and to life and to who we really are. And I'd go further, actually. I'd say even, even the word connection is kind of a misnomer. Like it sort of implies there are these two separate things and then you've got like a rubber band tying them together. But my assertion is that, that actually that, that the reality of the matter is that there's, there's only one thing going on, that, uh, that, that there's this one energy that we all are like there's a there's a quote by Tillard Desjardins he said we're not we're not human beings having a, a spiritual experience he said we're we're spiritual beings having a human experience and I thought about that I thought I, that's not how I see it how I see it is like this we're not human beings having a spiritual experience we're one spiritual being having seven billion human experiences and who you really are is that one spiritual being so so while there's like i don't know six or seven billion iphones in the world right but or, or smartphones in the world but there there's just one internet right seven billion mm -hmm. phones one internet and my phone was born three years ago and and jacked into that inter internet and the phone will die in a couple of years, but the internet will still be there. And similarly, what I'm suggesting is that who you really are is consciousness itself. And consciousness is to your human experience as the internet is to my phone. And uh, so when you fall out of the illusion of separation, what you fall into is the experience of love and connection that has been there all along. 
kind of the resides at the heart of your being. And when you, you know, when you meet someone and you fall in love, what's really happening is the illusion of separation dissolves, typically temporarily, and uh, and you feel that amazing sense of connection. And then it kind of comes back later. And then the, if you're lucky, you know what's going on and you keep finding your way into that experience of love and connection, which is really just a dropping away of the illusion of separation and the idea that you're separate. How important is it for you to have uh, love in your life? It's the most important thing. Like uh, it, um, it's kind of funny, actually. So many years ago, well, not that many years ago, actually, but quite a few years ago, I was, uh, uh, I, I was, um, you know, I had various relationships and that sort of thing, and then, and then I was talking with a friend of mine, and she said uh, that she'd been told, you know, you can have whatever you want if you really want it. Now I'd heard that many times, right, in the world of personal development and stuff. But when she said it, I heard something quite different. What I heard was, you can have whatever you want as long as that's what you actually want. And in that moment, we had been talking about relationships and I was you know, dissatisfied with my relationships at the time. And in that moment, I realized, oh, what you actually want is true love. And so I, I suddenly went from not knowing that to knowing it like I know my own name. And what I suddenly realized in a while was I'd organized my, my love life around avoiding what I didn't want. You know, I didn't want to get bored and I didn't want to get pulled down and I didn't want to get uh, my heart broken. I didn't want to get disappointed and I didn't want to get my freedom impinged on and all this sort of stuff. I'd been going for all to avoid all the things I didn't want, but I hadn't been going for the one thing that I actually wanted. And so the moment I realized, oh no, what you actually want is true love. I went, okay, well, that's, that's, that's my number one thing then. And, uh, and through a series of uh, unexpected events and what have you, I found my way to that. And I feel very, very fortunate. I'm very lucky. I'm happy for you. I really yeah, am. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, Jamie, there are a few questions we got from our community, which I'm oh, going to go through them with you. Go for it. Um, the first question is, how can you clear your mind to find our, how, how can you clear your mind to find our purpose, one's purpose? Got it. Okay. So, so there's a, a question I often ask at public talks. And the question is, when do you get your best ideas? And I invite everyone listening to think about that. When do you get your best ideas? The answers that come up are always pretty similar. It's like when I'm out for a walk, when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving to and from work, when I'm uh, 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 sitting by the seaside, when I'm uh, just drifting off to sleep, when I'm waking up first thing in the morning, uh, when, I'm, when I'm at the gym, when I'm working out. So reliably, people get their best ideas, their insights, their realizations when they're not actually thinking about the thing they're trying to get answers to. So the one thing that I found gets in the way of realizing purpose is looking for your purpose because it gives you a lot to think about. And so the, my number one hack is, you know, when do you get your best ideas? Because 
what that reveals is that you have an innate capacity for insight and realization. And the, the realization of purpose is always going to come as a realization. It's not going to come as a, something you figure out on a piece of paper. It's because it's, it comes from your heart, right? Like it's a, it's, it, it, it's not a logical thing. Purpose, genuine purpose that has you fired up and passionate and that sort of thing. That, that comes from, from within. It doesn't come from the intellect. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, when do you get your best ideas? That's do you pointed. believe, sorry, go on. Do you believe that every human being has a purpose here in life and that they can well, achieve that purpose? Well, lots of them. Like, I, I, in, in this moment, my purpose is to uh, have a drink water. <laughs> And I uh, executed it brilliantly, if I don't say so myself. But, but as human beings, we're goal-oriented creatures. Like even something like, you know, scratching your head or something like that it involves it, an incredible organization of different activities and that sort of thing. What it, it looks like to me is that we have many, many purposes and we can have a purpose that captivates us. I'll give you an example. So in 1998, I went on a training course. So this is like, God, a long time ago, 23 years ago. I went on a training course, a, a personal development training course, and about something called NLP, neurolinguistic programming. And I was in that training course for a weekend, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And for the next 10 years, that's, I was absolutely uh, passionate about it, doing it, teaching it, that sort of thing. And then in, so in 2009, my first insight, the one I told you about, oh, everything you've been looking for outside of you, it's already there within you. Well, that reorganized all my priorities. Second insight, I suddenly realized, oh, the fact that a person can see or hear or feel or perceive means we have the source of clarity, resilience, realization, and transformation already there within them. I realized that everyone has innate mental health. Well, that completely changed the way that I work with clients, that I work with groups that I'm teaching, all that sort of stuff. And then the third realization came in June 2009. I suddenly realized, oh, this is principles. I realized that this understanding that I'm sharing in the book you've read and in all my work, this is to psychology what the discovery of germs was to medicine and that this i had i had a vision of the first generation of children born to parents who already know this stuff just like we were born to parents who already knew about germs and bacteria right so i my vision is of, of a world where everyone knows about this stuff right so i i realized that one morning in june 2009 i went from not knowing it to knowing it like I know my own name. I'm like, oh, this is what you're going to be doing for the next 20 years. Literally that day I called up my office. I said, we're changing direction. Like I knew. But the day before, I was still committed to the purpose I'd been living for a decade. So so your purpose is ever changing in the decade that you're living in and in the mental state of mind that you're in? Well, what you're up to, like, you know, and you know later on, I'm going to go see my girlfriend. That's going to be my purpose tonight. You know, the... the it's uh, it seems to me that we have many of them in many different layers and levels and that sort of thing. And it's the thing that gets in the way of it is people getting too preoccupied with it. Exactly. Okay, next question. Is gratitude different from clarity? 
Well, the clarity, when I use the word clarity, you know, people ask, what do you mean by clarity? I so what I'm really talking about is our innate capacity to, for love, peace, joy, gratitude, creativity, high performance, uh, motivation, all these things. So gratitude looks to me to be a really, really valuable, natural expression of who we really are when we're not preoccupied with ourselves, actually. It's really natural and normal to feel grateful. Like, you know, many times a day I'll feel grateful. I'm not, I'm not practicing being grateful. I, it's just, it just hits me. Like, I feel very, like, I feel lucky to be sharing this understanding. I mean, wow. I feel lucky to, you know, live in the 21st century. It's like, now life looked pretty tough 500 years ago. I feel lucky to live in a time when there's dentistry. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel, feel, so there's lots going on that I feel grateful for, um, you know, and. Uh, I and feel I grateful for this session. Well, me, me too. I feel grateful to be able to share this understanding with you and your listeners. It's, it's. Uh, it's nice, but it, but it, but it's also it's you know like all like all feelings. It lets me know the feeling of gratitude. Lets me know that I'm wearing kind of gratitude goggles in that moment. I'm I'm uh, living in a gratitude flavored perceptual reality in that moment. And that's what that feeling's letting you know about, and and I find gratitude very trustworthy. Like I like that. So there's something nourishing about it. I like mm -hmm. it. I like it. What were your thoughts and state of being during the making of of or the writing of Clarity? Well, there were two stages to it. I wrote the first draft of the book over about 30 weeks and I sent it out to my email. I had an email at the time I had an email list with about 90,000 people on it. And I sent out a chapter to them every week and, uh, uh, and they gave me feedback on the book. But I was, you know, over 30 weeks, I had all kinds of different states of mind. And sometimes it was easy and sometimes it was hard and sometimes it was fun and sometimes it was boring. And sometimes it took me like, you know, hours and hours and hours to write a chapter and was like pulling teeth. And other times it was easy and good out of me. So that was the first stage was writing the first draft. But then the, the second stage was the, the, uh, once I got a publishing deal, I decided not to work on the book anymore until I got a publishing deal. So the publishing deal was signed on, I think it was the 1st of October, and the book was due by the 30th of October or the 31st of October, something like that. Or maybe it was the 1st of November and the 30th of November. So I think that might have been it. So that 30 days or 20 days, whatever the period of time was, was me working about 18 hours a day, going hell for leather to get the book out. And it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was like a, an intense marathon. Wow. Do you, do you believe that mental, do you believe that um, we can overcome mental illness by reaching the clarity? That's the question. Well, the way I would put it, Noel, is that I've seen it for myself. Many of the things that have been described as mental illness have actually been just uh, the symptoms of a misunderstanding 
of how our experience is created and who we really are. And so mm -hmm. I've got countless cases of people who have been diagnosed with, like clinically diagnosed in many cases, who are now living happy, healthy lives because they've uh, had realizations in this understanding. I've had people and they've gained, go ahead. Yeah, and they've gained so much clarity. And, and really, I'm one of these people. Yeah, it, it's, it, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate because I get to see that kind of thing every day. You know, people who had been on medication and, and assumed they were going to be on medication for life, who are now medication free and living happy lives. And uh, I'd like, I should say though, if, if someone's on medication for a clinical diagnosis, they should always consult with their with their doctor uh, if they're considering yeah. coming off it. Because sometimes there can be side effects and that sort of thing. I'd always be working with a, a professional. Uh, um, in some capacity when doing that. But I actually, funnily enough, I had someone write to me after I wrote a little book of clarity. And she's and given me permission to use her story. Her name's Heidi. She uh, she um, got in touch with me. She was a, a, a veteran from the, I think she'd been in the Gulf War. And uh, she had PTSD and she'd been having treatment for PTSD for 10 years. And uh, mm -hmm. nothing had worked. She'd had psychotherapy and hypnotherapy and all kinds of drug regimes and CBT and all kinds of stuff to deal with her PTSD. Uh, and nothing had worked. And she read the little book of clarity and she wrote to me. She said, I read the little book of clarity. I don't have PTSD anymore. She said, no one, uh, no one ever told me that I wasn't broken. Everyone told me I was broken and that I was going to be going through this for life and that sort of thing. She's like, I don't have PTSD anymore. It's like, It's the simplicity of the way you have delivered this message of clarity that really resonates with, I believe, every human brain. Because I genuinely believe our human brains are very simple. But we tend to complicate it. Conversations tend to complicate it. Diagnosis tends to complicate it. And no, I'm, I'm not belittling any diagnosis. Sure. Uh, many are chemical imbalances, um, but I do believe that a lot of conversations are very complicated. And well, here's the, the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing, Noel. Even chemical imbalances, you know, there's a there's there's a um, an article published in oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, let me just see if I can find it. Take your time. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. But, so if you stop and think about it for a moment, mm. if, if someone tells you a rude joke and you blush, well, that's because mm. of chemicals and neurotransmitters, right? And yeah. that's created by thought. That's your, 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 it's the thing. So if there's a group of people and one person blushes and the next person doesn't, it's because of their thinking, right? So it seems to me that often what gets called chemical imbalances, like most of the uh, research that's been done in that, has been done by people who aren't aware of the nature and power of thought, of this, you know, mm -hmm. this, energy that's creating our experience. So I, while everyone does have different chemical balances, I think a lot of the time what you see as chemical imbalances are, are actually effects and symptoms rather than causes. But I've treated many people, I've worked with many people who have been 
diagnosed with chemically chemical chemical imbalances that have led to all kinds of things from depression to anxiety or whatever and lo and behold those symptoms disappear once they get an understanding of who they really are and how they're experienced so i'm not even sold on that in fact the 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 the, the reference i was looking for it's in my book results um the guy who uh the guy who i i referenced he wrote an article looking at the uh at the kind of the, the chemical imbalance diagnosis and they found that basically the model of diagnosing different mental challenges as chemical imbalances and then using pharmaceuticals to address them was leading to worse outcomes for patients. So I, I have no evidence that that's a reliable model for mental health and well-being. But for your experience and what you've been seeing, I guess that's enough for us to judge for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't take my word for it. Go and explore and make up your own mind. <laughs> Exactly. Do your, do your own research is the big point. <laughs> exactly. Okay, uh, three more questions. Um, go, we'll go through them. Uh, what's a quick exercise that one can do to stop an immediate panic attack from a cluttered mind that stops you from going on with daily tasks? Well, I don't know anything you can do immediately. I think that, that if you're having a panic attack, breathing is good. Uh, I think breathe. Um, you know, uh, but the, the thing is the panic attack is the result of all the stuff you've been doing. If you, you want to have less panic attacks in the future, read that book and start exploring this work. It'll help you out because the panic attack is that's, it's sort of like what's something you can do when a pot boils over on the stove. It's like, well, you clean it up, right? But the thing you can do is actually turn the temperature down before it boils over. Well, that's the same with mm. the panic attack. It's just the popcorn. And it's because it's got already got too hot. Does uh, your mind actually achieve uh, an emptiness and a declutter when you gain clarity or will things resurface? I think that goes back to the same conversation we had in the beginning. Yeah, things will resurface, but but the I I can't even begin to emphasize how valuable it is to know that you have this built-in, that your mind has this built-in self-clearing capacity that you, you know, yes. the way I sometimes put it is, you know how people have a lot on their minds. Well, we teach a simple understanding that allow you to clear your mind automatically and leaving you free to have the confidence and the peace of mind and clarity to live life to the full. That, that's, it, it's, it's about realizing that you have a built-in self-clearing mechanism. You have a built-in decluttering mechanism. I love that you said that because while I was reading this epic book that everyone needs to buy, um, I wrote some notes um, and one of the notes says, ask Jamie. The mind's self-correcting capacity. How can we strengthen it, Jamie? Well, it's already strong. See that you know, it's it's an innate capacity. So it, it's it already it's already working uh, beautifully. The issue isn't that you don't have a strong self-clearing capacity. The issue is you believe a bunch of stuff that isn't true. So how do we focus more on it and believe well, in it more? Well, so the thing that's going to make a difference to you 
is like anyone it's here's a, here's a good example you know the guy with the, the ironing board well yeah. if he believed that there was an intruder in his house and he's saying jamie what can i do to calm my mind down while there's an intruder in my house i'm like Dude, if there's an intruder in your house, you need to either get out of the house or call the cops or get a gun or whatever. Like, that's a dangerous situation. It's like, well, how can I remind myself there's not an intruder? It's like, well, if you believe there's an intruder, you're going to do what makes sense when there's an intruder. The, the, the big shift is to realize it's an ironing board. And it's the same, like my assertion, it may sound disrespectful, but I don't mean it like that, that the stuff that's getting people freaked out is because they're believing something that isn't true. Now, there's not a technique you can use to not believe something that you believe is true. You need to look at it. You need to make a, you know, it's back to my, does it seem like I'm onto something? Does it seem like it would improve your life to know this? If yes, make it a priority, like get the books or I've got podcasts if people want to listen to it. The audio book of results I'm really proud of and the Clarity audio book's really good too. Like immerse yourself in this stuff because my assertion to you is you have a built-in capacity for insight and realization. And if you if you immerse yourself in this, if you, if you look in this direction, you will start having realizations into it. You, it it's inevitable. And it'll you work start seeing clarity. Yeah, you start getting it, and and that's <laughs> gonna and that's gonna and it's gonna be like a, a snowball effect, right? You'll you'll get more of it as you go along. So, so it, the the thing if you're believing something that's not true, the thing that's gonna help you out is discovering what's true. That's what's gonna make a difference to you. There's no technique that's gonna be more valuable than find out what the truth of the matter is and my assertion to you is that the truth of the matter is that who you really are can't be damaged by anything in this world can't be harmed there's nothing to be afraid of there's nothing to be afraid of there's nothing in this world that can harm you psychologically and there's nothing in this world that can help you psychologically. You don't need any help. You're doing great. Like you stop and think about it, Noel. We've we've evolved over millions of years. We're built for reality. We're built for life on this planet. We're absolutely beautifully adapted to life on this planet. But we just haven't been given the operating manual. So this stuff, this stuff that I'm doing, it's my best shot at giving you the operating manual for your mind. I can't thank you enough, Jamie, for your time. Um, having you here, having this conversation with you is surreal to me. I was reading this book at a time um, where I was really contaminated in my thinking, contaminated in so many different aspects of my life. Um, and you've really managed to help me gain the clarity I need. And I genuinely hope anyone who's listening to have this um, push to just read the little book of clarity and right. understand the, 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 the formula, which I would like to end this podcast session with. I would like you to just explain your formula. Well, the, the, funnily enough, the, I'll tell you a quick story. So I, was, I the way that I work with one-to-one uh, -one clients is we'll typically do what's called a three-day intensive. So they'll get together with me. It's, and it's often you know, business owners or senior executives and that sort of thing. They'll hire me and we'll spend three days together. And 
we're in the, like the first session with one, I, I was in the first session with one of the, uh, one of these clients, a, a guy called Ian, and he partway through the session, he goes, Jamie, Jamie, I, I'm going to need a formula for how this is going to work. Well, I immediately got anxious because I was like, oh God, I haven't brought a formula. What an idiot I am. Oh my God. But then it occurs to me, where do you believe your experience is coming from? And I kind of laughed. It's like, oh, you're just experiencing your perception, right? So, and, and then I settled down. I, you know, I went from uh, intruder to uh, relief. And then it occurred to me, I said, here's your formula. I said, you plus a misunderstanding equals stuff. Because that's his thing. He had been stuck. He'd been distressed because he was stuck. And he's like, oh, I really like it. I said, it's not over yet. I said, here's the second part of it. You minus a misunderstanding equals clarity, peace, spontaneity, yes. creativity, joy, love, connection, the whole nine yards. It's like, great, let's go. Well, that got resolved to what I call the clarity equation, which is just clarity equals capacity minus contamination. You, you already have an innate capacity for clarity, resilience, and well-being. And the only thing that ever gets in the way of that is contaminated thinking arising from mistaken beliefs about who you really are and how experience is created. But you have a built-in capacity for insight and realization, and it'll clear your mind if you give it a chance to do so. Based on your level of understanding, if you understand, the better you understand this stuff, the more rely, the more you can rely on it to clear your mind. So, uh, so yeah, that's if people are resonating with this, that's what I encourage them to do. By the way, the books are available on audiobook as well, so you can just go over to Audible and get them all there. Um, uh, I've got two podcasts. I've got one called the Get Clarity Podcast and the Thriving Coaches Podcast. There's tons of like countless hours of me talking about this stuff. So there's if you if you want to make it a priority, it's never been easier. And uh, yeah, it's all there. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate your time. Is oh, there anything you want to say to say to the community? Leave us off with. Are you ever visiting Dubai? Are we ever going to see you here? You know what? I've never been to Dubai, but all it would take would be someone to hire me to come there and, <laughs> and I do it in a shot. I'd love to go to Dubai. We can't wait to see you here. And we really hope this does happen. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to speak to you again. I look forward to it. And a wild pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Jamie. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.